even when I was making good money, I was a driver for Uber. And I, I, I joked about it saying, you know, there's probably not a whole lot of Uber drivers making the kind of money I make in my day job. But if my kids were asleep, my wife was asleep, I could sit there and watch a movie at night or I could make a couple hundred bucks. And that was my decision, you know, Friday, Saturday night to go do that and just kind of bring in some extra, you know, fun money or do other things that I could pay off, you know, the mortgage fast. And so that that's what I did. Anytime I could find a little side hustles, nothing crazy that moved the needle a lot. But I felt like it was a game to, to go do those things. Um, and it, it, it's always been my mindset. You're listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast, where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their current portfolio allocation. Now to your hosts, Clark Sheffield and Jace Mattinson. Welcome to Millionaire's Unveiled podcast. This is episode number 237. Today on the show, we've got a great guest. We've got Mitch. A net worth of just over $1 million. He's got a paid for house, which is really unique. He's been an Uber driver, he's done all sorts of things as, as a side hustle, works in tech sales, got a really unique story about potentially going to, to dental school and then ended up having a few children and whatnot in college and so decided to pursue a career. So, super exciting episode. Last week, we had a couple uh, guest interviews with, with Chad and Joe. Talked about their new books and, and got an update with some things with them. So super interesting episodes with them. Go check that out. A lot of interesting things happening in the world right now. And, I, you know, the reports just came out where we've got, you know, record inflation. Came across an article uh, in Forbes. It says, run, don't walk to buy treasury I-bonds paying over 7% to beat inflation. So super interesting, you know, dynamics in the market right now. Treasury bonds paying 7%. Uh, if you're interested in that, I think you have locked that down uh, by the end of April here. But a lot of different things, things that we haven't seen, you know, in the marketplace in, in you know, a couple of decades even. In some cases, probably not at all. So definitely something to pay attention to. Uh, obviously, we've got all sorts of geopolitical things at, at stake uh, as well. And without any further delay, let's get into the episode with Mitch. Mitch, do you want to just give us a little about your background or what you're up to now? Yeah, I am in software sales. I'm a account executive. Been doing that for uh, about eight years now. Awesome. And what is your net worth today? We just hit over 1.1. Nice. Came on the show to do the million dollar hauler. I like yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so so let's, let's dive into this 1.1. What is the makeup of the 1.1? So the biggest chunk right now, um, and we can go into strategy and kind of personal find why I went this route, but uh, our, our biggest chunk, that 1.1, is our home equity. Um, our house is, we just paid it off last month and it's worth about 700K. So that's the that's a big chunk. We've got about 210 in 401Ks, 80 cash, emergency funds, and kind of just monthly spending, uh, another 70K in IRAs, Roth IRAs, kids, we've got 40K in 529s. I play around with a little, you know, individual stock from ESPPs, so about 30k there, and another 15, 20 in the HSAs. That's kind of the breakdown. Nice. So, I mean, let's uh, just start, I guess, with the biggest chunk there. Paid for house, seven hundred some thousand dollars. How did you decide to pay off the house? Why so much in home equity? Yeah. Well, we unintentionally like we, we've kind of just done well in real estate and it wasn't a plan of ours we didn't try to say hey i'm gonna go house hack or anything like that or you know geo arbitrage i've seen a lot of people do that but 
this is our, our third house and we've been married, you know, 10 years now. So each time we, uh, we bought a starter home, uh, 2011, right when we, right when we got married and it was, you know, great brand new build, 125 K just Arizona kind of, uh, the housing market just was terrible at the time. So walked into that for 125 K just wanted it gone. I wanted the payment gone. I was in sales, seeing a lot of people do very well and then not do well. And so I just didn't want that overhead. I wanted it gone, especially being the sole income and just, you know, having good years and bad years in sales as less risky to me at the time. So I just said, Hey, I'm gonna pay that off. And then, you know, we got super close. And then the kids got a little bit older. And I said, Well, you know, this is not where we want our kids to go to school. So we, we kind of went up in house. So we sold that current that starter home, you know, after living in it for five years, and we sold it for, uh, I think, 150k profit. You know, we flipped it for 275, and again, it wasn't an intentional flip. We just let's move up in house. How how um, many years was that after you bought it? Uh, five years. Okay. So we lived in that one for five years. Took a good chunk of change, bought a bigger house, um, and then said, "Hey, same thing." Well, we extended the mortgage a little bit. I was so close, and I, I I tasted it, and I was like, "I just want that mortgage gone." And then I was like, "Crap!" Now I've got a bigger bigger mortgage all over again. <laughs> so kind of started from uh, not ground zero, but uh, I said, "Hey, let's do it again." Um, bought that house for you know four seventy, which is a good size home. Um, you know, big mortgage, but we rolled everything over to that. Uh, lived that house for another three years. Sold, um, bought it for four seventy. Sold it for five ninety. So another hundred and twenty grand. Uh, and you know, so it just felt like every time we just rolled up, rolled up, bought a bigger house and we did well with real estate. So now we're where we're at. We bought this home, didn't have a huge mortgage to pay off when we moved up here to Utah and we were able to pay it off relatively quick with some big commission checks. So uh, let's kind of go back into this a little bit. I mean, I, I, it's, it's pretty remarkable. I know you mentioned that you've, you've kind of rolled this, but you've also paid significant payments. One question we always ask, you know, as it relates to home and home ownership and home equity, every time that you got a mortgage, did you do a 15 year or did you do a 30 year? So we started a 30 year, um, our very first home. And I, I joke about it because again, I was straight out of college. I did the summer sales thing, going door to door doing pest control, and that's how I kind of got started in sales to to cash flow college. But I, I just always hated debt. I just didn't want it. I didn't want student loans. So I said, "Hey, how do I make money through college to not have a payment or a student loan?" And so I kind of want that same mindset. But we said, "Hey, with our first home for 125k starter home in Phoenix, like it was a no brainer. You know, short sale foreclosure. Just we we stole it." And I just felt like, you know, a 30 year, but we didn't know anything about finance back then. We just, we put, I think we did a FHA or one of the, whatever loans. And like, I think we put $2,500 down on this house to buy this house. It was just insane to get in there for like no money. And I joke, we, we put more down on our first car when we first got a car, when we got married on the car down payment than the house. <laughs> so it was just kind of, kind of ridiculous how that worked out. So after that, were they 15 years then? So once we once we were on, we were on the 30 year on in that first starter home, um, then I found the the whole Dave Ramsey. Um, we we took the Financial Peace University and said, hey, it, the math makes sense for us to to try to pay this thing off as soon as possible. Um, we did refinance from a 30 to a 15 on that first starter home, um, and then ever since then, each of the other homes we've always been on a 15 and. Over the course of the last 
eight years, let's call it, yeah. have you paid more than the mortgage payment pretty much every single month or has it just been one big hits with some of the commission checks and you've paid the, the minimums in between there? So we, we've always tried to pay extra every single month where we could and, and we did our budget and toward the last little bit here, we always paying, we were always paying $500 extra a month on the mortgage, but those, those commission checks really helped move the needle and we just lived like I didn't earn them for, for the longest time, I, you know, made some decent money and we just, we didn't let, let lifestyle creep kind of kick in and we just said, Hey, commission checks go straight to the mortgage and we acted like I never earned them. So wasn't as fun and flashy as some of my other, you know, sales, sales guys going, you know, awesome cars and trips and things, but I was boring with the money and we, we put it to the house and, uh, I, I think we'll end up okay. So Mitch, we know the ending of the story here, not, not ending, but where you're at now, right? 1.1, 700 in the house. Um, you just mentioned you got into Dave Ramsey, right? You took financial peace. So let's back it up to that point. How did this all start? And I guess first of all, when you bought that, when you bought that first home, were you in debt at all? Did you have any debt besides the primary mortgage? I I didn't. Um, my wife, when we first got married, she had a little bit of student loans and a little bit of a car debt. And then we, right after we got married, we went and got a, a not a new car, but a, a newer to us car. And we, we just we went to the dealership, and that was the very first time I had ever took on personal debt. And I just, it didn't, I didn't like it. I hate, I hated driving out of there and it was happy to get a new car and stuff, but I just didn't like the feeling. And so I just, from that, I kind of started looking at, you know, debt and financial and that kind of got the, the, the ball rolling. And then that's when I found, you know, Dave Ramsey and just it, it vibed with everything that like I felt with get out of debt and, you know, build a legacy and, I'd seen my mom struggle with money. Her parents, you know, her parents had struggled with money and we didn't want that to be us moving forward. We wanted to, to, you know, have a good life, good quality life and, you know, retire pretty, pretty set. So that it kind of started right after we got married. I had some money saved up. I paid off her student debt and paid off her car from my summer job. So we started relatively clean right after we got married just with me paying off with, with the debt that she had. And it wasn't much. It was like 15 grand or something like that. And when you said your mom and others struggled with money, was it because they didn't make enough or was it because of choices? Um, my mom, I mean, she had gone through a couple different divorces and, you know, after being separated, she just, she tried and, and, and to do everything that she could. And I wouldn't say it was choices. It just was a, it was an income problem, not a, you know, there's yeah. income and outgo, right? It's yep, not like yep. we were living lavishly and making bad decisions. It's just, it was, it, there wasn't, <laughs> there was more month than money, right? So sure. Um, that's kind of, I, I lived that and felt that. And from a young age, you know, my first job paper route at 13, you know, and then college, I did a lot of side hustles and hacks. And it was just a game to me to always do some different things to make money on the side. So I didn't have to feel like the the scarcity and I, I could, you know, still be disciplined, but have, I, I wanted to focus on the the income instead of the outgo as much. It, it's a little bit more fun that way. So you shared with us prior to the show too, that you were the first in your family on either side to attend college, correct? Yeah. Yeah. That was a, that was a big deal. And that was uh, something I was definitely proud of. I wanted to, um, being a single mom, um, or being raised by a single mom, I, you know, I, I adopted some father figures around me from some good friends 
you know, and, and I look up to their dads and, you know, the, the family that they had and the lifestyle that they had. And one of my biggest influences, he was a very, very successful orthodontist. And I said, well, being naive and, you know, in high school, you're like, I don't know what he does or how he does it, but I see his life and I, and I want that. <laughs> and so I said, I, that's what I'm going to school for. I'm going to be an orthodontist yeah. because yeah. the guy makes bank and uh, he has a good life. So, um, you know, yeah, I, I graduated summa cum laude pre-med and that was the route that I was going to go. And then, you know, life threw us some curveballs. So, yeah, let's go into that. But first, uh, financial piece, how did you come across that? You know, I, I don't remember where where that came up. Um, I initially think it was one of the we, we lived in South Phoenix and it, you know, it wasn't the best neighborhood that the neighborhood itself was fine, but it was around, you know, in South Phoenix. So it was uh, it was a harder place to, you know, with kids and schools and everything. But there was a community center, YMCA, that I we went and worked out. It was an awesome brand new center and, you know, cheap gym and indoor pool and the kids loved it. But they had that part of that YMCA, um, they, they did, did offer uh, FPU or Financial Peace University. And I don't know, if, I can't remember if that's the very first place I had heard of it or I'd heard of it and then found out that they were offering it there. But that's where we ended up taking it was that at, uh, you know, a YMCA or um, no, it wasn't a YMCA, it's Salvation Army, kind of a rec center type thing. And they did that class. Yeah. And that's I had I had heard some of the Dave stuff and. You know, I was I was really into it. My wife was not so much at first. And so I said, just come come take this class with me. See if we can we can get on the same page. And after that, it was not not a lot of pushback from her. We we were we were on the same page. Yeah, thanks. So then you graduated an undergrad, but then you decided to change career fields. Yeah, well, I'd say career field. There was. Yeah, there's I graduated and the last last semester of my senior year, my wife and I found out we were, we were pregnant with triplets and that threw us for a loop of what next, you know, um, the plan was dental school. And I, even if, you know, we, we knew maybe one kid was coming and we were planning on that, but you know, one kid, three kids changes things very, very differently quickly. And, you know, graduate, not yet graduated. I didn't have a job. Uh, we didn't have insurance and we, we didn't really, we weren't making anything at that time. So, I said, hey, whether we put this on pause for now with dental school, maybe that's what I have to do to go get a job with insurance and, and make some decent money at first just to kind of make maybe gap next couple of years until dental school. And I, I found a job on Craigslist with my you know door to door sales experience in, in tech sales, uh, software, HR. And I got hired and I was there for five years and it, and it. There hasn't been an opportunity to go back into dental school or, you know, I, I, we, we have had a pretty good life. Um, and I, I don't know if that's still in the cards, but um, so far, I, I like where I'm at and we feel blessed for it. As you've gone on this journey, you've shared a couple of things with us, you know, to, to get yourself, what are, to, to get yourself where you've gone and other things that you've mentioned what sacrifices have you made for you, your family to, to get to this point at such a young age? You know, we, there's not like one big thing. I mean, obviously going through financial peace and, and, and learning, you know, and then I got hooked on personal finance and it was, you know, again, it was a, a game to me. I don't think we lived some deprived life, but we, we made some, some hard decisions of, you know, seeing our friends, especially around us, like, you know, being in the sales job that I was, we, we all made good money in, 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 in that, in that software sales field. 
and seeing, you know, people right next to me do fun things or, you know, buy the fancy cars or take some amazing trips and do things, you know, at a, at a younger age. One, we, we couldn't do that with, you know, brand new kids. So that, you know, <laughs> made it a little easier to not go on some such lavish vacations with, without the kids. But we, we were just focused on what we wanted. We made some goals of, we really want to change. It sounds cliche, but change your family tree of, you know, Hey, your parents struggled with money for different reasons. My mom, you know, we never had that. We, we wanted to, to, ha- to set ourselves up and our kids and grandkids and, and really, as Dave says, change our family tree. And so we, we were focused on that. And so we made some decisions of, we said no a lot when we wanted to say yes. And, you know, or is it a want? Is it a need? Is it, you know, we, we followed a budget, you know, I, we didn't do the crazy, crazy envelope systems all the time because we were, we were already out of debt pretty, pretty close on after our marriage. So we never let ourselves get into debt. So it was really just we could attack the house. And that's been the goal for the last seven years, seven, eight years. But I, I would say the biggest thing is just doing the boring stuff with money <laughs> and, and, and setting it up with the 401ks and the 529s and life insurance and, and really kind of checking those boxes off and trying to be smart with it um, and, and being generous along the way uh, so we can help others uh, as well so that we could just set ourselves up for success later on. Totally. Did you pick up any side hustles or, or earn any extra income along the way outside of just working in tech sales? Yeah. Um, I mean, back in college, I mean, that, that that's kind of where it started. I'd I'd give plasma, you know, on the side just so I could, I do my homework. I bring my laptop and I was like, I'm getting paid to do my homework. It was a game to me to, to, to make extra money or I'd flip stuff on Craigslist. And I still did that all the time, whether it was a, you know, a, a free trampoline or something like that with a, you know, the mat was bad, but the structure was good. I, I I'd get a new mat for cheap and flip it for a couple hundred bucks. Like it was just things like that to me, that was a game. And then even when I was making good money, I, I tried to hack what I, you know, Uber hack is what I call it. I, I was a driver for Uber and I, I, I joked about it saying, you know, there's probably not a whole lot of Uber drivers making the kind of money I make in my day job. But if my kids were asleep, my wife was asleep, I could sit there and watch a movie at night or I could make a couple hundred bucks. And that was my decision, you know, Friday, Saturday night. Um, to go do that and just kind of bring in some extra, you know, fun money or do other things that I could pay off, you know, the mortgage fast. And so that that's what I did. Anytime I could find a little side hustles, nothing crazy that moved the needle a lot. But I felt like it was a game to to go do those things. And it, it, it's always been my mindset. Wow. How long did you drive for Uber? And how long did you give plasma for? I, I did plasma all throughout college. Once we got married, I uh, did it a little bit more, you know, and, and a couple times a week. And, but it really slowed down after the the triplets were born and um, didn't really do it after my first, you know, real job out of college. But even for Uber, I they had this thing that you could program which way you were going. And we lived far East Valley in Arizona. And it was kind of it's like it only, they only allowed it two times a day. But you could point saying, hey, I'm going this direction. And so I lived way out in East Mesa and I had a good hour commute to get into work one way. And I knew if I left at a certain time of the morning, I could get somebody. And usually it was business people headed to the airport doing a one way trip. And so (laughs) I hacked that a little bit to not only pay for my commute going into work, but it was like a $50 fare that I, I had to drive that way anyways, because my office was right next to the airport. 
So I was going to do it anyways. And I got HOV lane and I got a 50, you know, 50 bucks one way in my pocket. And then those certain, some of those guys, like every time they came, they didn't have to go through the app. They, I just say, Hey, give me a call when you need it and I'll come pick you up. And as long as you're flexible a little bit with my time, I had my own kind of clientele (laughs) to hack Uber. And, you know, I would just, I'd say still do it through the app, but I'll be right in front of your house when you call for it. So I'm the closest person you'll get me. And then we'll be off to the, off to the airport. So I did that successfully for a while, uh, to the airport every single morning or as much as I could. And it was just, it, it was free money to me. Why not do that? Wow, that's pretty amazing. We've never the, heard that before. That's really interesting. Yeah, no, we like, haven't. I don't think it would work for everybody and, you know, the timing. But where I lived, being so far in the suburbs, nobody – if you were headed downtown that early in the morning to get in, you know, it was like 5 in the morning. You're probably headed to the airport to catch a flight, right? Yeah. 5, 6 o'clock in the morning. So it was just kind of this weird hack that I found that really kind of paid off and – I was going that way anyway, so why not do it? Totally. So, Mitch, I got to ask now, at at this point in your life, you've got the paid-for house. One, is there anything on your list that you've been really wanting to do with money that that you haven't done because you've been so focused on the house? And then two, you know, just walk us through personally where your next dollar goes now as it relates to your investments, spending, fund money. How how, how do you go about thinking about that? Yeah. Well, first thing, kind of money where – what we, you know, we kind of celebrated. We again, we paid off the house last month, so um, we just got back from Disney World last week. So that, we've never been. Took the kids for we were there a good ten days and just made a, a good trip and um, had a really good time. So that was kind of how we how we celebrated, kind of paying off the house. Now, kind of focused on, you know, kind of what next. You know, we we still have interest or not escrow, but, you know, um, taxes and insurance on the house. Right. But it, it's still, it, it's a good swing of, you know, another $1,700 free cash flow from last month that we don't have to pay. So literally I, was, I found out about this yesterday and I, I was really geeking out about it, but I found a mega Roth. My company will allow me to do a mega Roth or mega backdoor Roth through my 401k. Cause I was kind of I asked myself the same question. I was saying, where does it, where does this go next? Do I just buy index funds after I've maxed out 401k, IRA, 529s? I feel like we're doing everything that we need to do. Do I just go get a taxable brokerage account and, you know, buy VTSAX or index funds or, or what? What's next? But I, I found this uh, that we are able to, and my company do the, the mega Roth door or backdoor Roth 401k. And I'm, I'm really excited about that. So that, that's probably where I'm going to, stash a good chunk until I max that out if I can. And then what's the financial goals in the future here? So I, I don't feel like I'm behind because that sounds silly to say that, right? But, you know, most people probably don't have an asset like this, but it's to me, it's I'm not making money off the home, right? So now I feel like it's catch up time for 401, 401ks and IRAs and, and just kind of retirement accounts. So my my next personal goal obviously is uh, the the next million, but in total, you know, liquid retirement and funds and everything like that to to be able to live off that because again, I'm not pulling money out of the house and we always need a good place, a nice place to live. So that's just kind of a free up cash flow for us to be able to to invest more um, and, and live a little bit more for sure. Sure. Has your uh, cost of living increased? Or have you spent more on 
on unnecessary things? I mean, not unnecessary, but have you splurged to spend more as your net worth has gone up and your income has increased? Yeah. I mean, I'd say early on when you say what sacrifices I, you know, I, I made is I, I didn't have the nice car, you know, and I, and I didn't eat out. We, we really tried to not eat out as much. So just being a little bit more, being able to live a little bit more and not to be so stingy all the time on, yeah, let's, let's go out to eat or let's go get sushi or, you know, my wife and I, we both drive nicer cars now that are paid off. And, you know, I don't really count that as anything in the assets or net worth because, you know, they're, they're worth something for sure. But I, I just, I don't track that into the net worth personally. Are you a big goal setter, Mitch? I, I am. I mean, this was, this was a big goal for me, for sure. I mean, it's been um, obviously being in sales. I mean, you have to, to write down what you want and, and you work towards that and set micro goals to be able to, to accomplish that. So that, that was big, always been big for me, but I feel like this has been so not out of reach for so long, but it's what I've been focusing on for so long ever since I've got into uh, my first job out of college. So it is a little bit of, okay, what, what is next? Because after I hit the net worth of a million, I, I thought I would feel different, but I, I didn't. It was just a number to me. So it, realizing that that wasn't what I was after all the whole time, but you know, feeling that the house was paid off. That meant something more to me and, and to the family and to, to my wife and kids. And, you know, we, we felt that. So trying to figure out now what what is that next thing that really is going to, you know, bring us that next, you know, or what is that next goal that we're really wanting to do? So I, I think the million in, in, in fluid or retirement, you know, 401k would be the next big goal. But this is uncharted territory because, again, we just hit this a month ago. So I'm excited. But um kind of want to strategize on what what really lies next for us. Yeah, yeah. Well, congratulations. So, I mean, we talked a little bit about this earlier when we went back to the beginning of your story, but I just want to read a part of a paragraph that you sent us uh, before the show. You said, seven years ago, we took Dave's Financial Peace University and knew in our hearts that it is something we had to do. We had to sacrifice to win with money. Along this journey, we have had so many heart-to-hearts. We laughed, we cried, we dreamed. Being raised by a single mother myself and my wife seeing her parents struggle with money for too long, together we committed that we would change our family tree. Since that day, we followed the baby steps, cut out unnecessary bills, avoided new debt like the plague, lived on way less than we made, and said no when we wanted to say yes. So I just thought, I mean, I wanted to read that, Mitch, because I thought it's pretty inspiring, you know, and, and being the first person in your family to go to college. I mean, what a turnaround here, and you're so young. Right. I mean, how old were you when you became a millionaire? 32 and I'm still 32. So, yeah, it was <laughs> just, just hit it. So, I mean, I, I laughed at one of your questions was saying, you know, what, what what do you recommend for 30 year olds? And I was like, well, I am 30. So, like, I don't like I don't know, like, you know, start early, have a goal, you know, track your spending lifestyle creep. I mean, those are just kind of the things that I've we we've tried to be very deliberate about our money and, and, and focus on things until they, till they happen. So, you know, I, I don't, personally, I don't see, you know, like my store being inspiring or anything. We just kind of focused on what we wanted to, to do and, and we did it. And, um, you know, we were excited where we're at for sure, but we, we know this isn't the net, you know, we can't stop what we're doing right now sure. and just drop it all. So it's, it's just kind of a step in the journey and, you know, we're, but, yeah, we're we're excited for the for the the road ahead for sure. Yeah, congrats. Any books or products you recommend or that you read along the way that were impactful to you? Um, mil- me, Millionaire Next Door is, I mean, again, probably nothing that you guys haven't heard. I, I'm probably not going to list a book here that 
Mm-hmm. You know, others haven't said before me, but very mm-hmm. impactful. You know, uh, obviously, total mm-hmm. money makeover from Dave Ramsey started it for me. Financial Peace University. You know, we we were big Dave disciples or, or whatever you want to call us, but big big nerd there. But Millionaire Store really that that mindset took me of like, okay, they don't have to. I mean, yes, we live in a nice home, but nobody around us would know you know, kind of what we're doing or that the house is paid off or, or anything like that. We don't have to, to act a certain way and have this net worth. And, and that's what we always strive to live by. So the, the million next door is something that I strive to be is kind of be that undercover, you know, like I'm not in the thing, like I don't dress nice. Like I'm kind of, a, <laughs> you know, uh, it, you wouldn't that stereotypical. So that really resonated with me um, when I read that book. But other than that, some really good you know, online groups that I, I have followed, not only Dave Ramsey, but then kind of graduated to, you know, choose by that moment movement, really love that group. And then another one, uh, shout out to is a millennial money man community and, and him. Um, I just really kind of fun money, money group and support group, if you will, of like-minded people. I think that's really important along the way. Uh, Cause I didn't have people necessarily in my day to day doing the same things that I were do- I was doing. So you know, you look, you're looked at it weird or why, why you can pay off the whole house or do this with money. But, you know, having people around you with similar goals and being like-minded, I think really helps along, along the journey. Mitch, does your family or, or friends know of your wealth or the, the fact that you've paid off the house at all? Uh, I've shared, um, I, I've shared with the, the house uh, uh, and we were reluctant almost even to do that, but we, we did it because again, I, we, we shared that because we felt like there is such a taboo with, with personal finance and money. Um, but I, I think we should, you know, celebrate each other's successes more and, and not envy or, you know, like, Oh, pun- you know, punish people for winning with money or making decisions. Like one of my best friends that I went to school with, you know, he did, he did go on the dental path and he just graduated. And, you know, we're very similar. We graduated the same year. He is a dentist and he just paid off, you know, half a million dollar of his loan, you know, of his loans. And, you know, a month ago, right after I celebrated the house. So we we have that kind of mindset. And that's same thing. He was like nervous to tell people that of like, hey, I've paid off this money because are they going to think of me different because then they know I made more money and and this and that. It's like, no, you did an awesome thing by paying off, you know, five hundred thousand dollars four years out of dental school. You know, and you're going to be set up for the rest of your life if you just keep making those choices. And so, like, you know, we. I don't like the scarcity mindset, but I, I like to be smart on, you know, trying to make good decisions with the money to, to set you up for success long term. And so, yeah, we, we did share about the house and, and it was surprising to see how many people were excited for us. You know, I just didn't want comments of like, well, I guess you're picking up the tab next time we go out to eat yeah. or something like that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, Mitch, early on, what was your motivator? Brand new. I mean, the the triplets having having three kids right out of the <laughs> right out of college um it's not something i'm sure most people uh, would have to experience or do experience and and not having a dime to our name you know luckily we you know we were at zero right after right out of college so we didn't have the student debt or anything that you know what my wife did we paid that very quickly out of my savings um but we were able to start very, you know, at ground zero, at zero instead of negative net worth. But knowing that I wanted to be, I say wanted to be the sole income, but my wife didn't have to work. 
unless she chose to. And she does side things that she enjoys and some for money, some just because it's a hobby, you know, she's big into carpentry and, and building things and doing that. And she loves it. But brand new kids, we, we made not only a decision, but the financial decision of she was working before the triplets. But guess what? Childcare for three kids is ridiculous. It wouldn't have broken. She wouldn't have broken even going back to work just for childcare costs. So she was forced to um, be stay at home mother early on. And we, we had to have that financial stability. And so being in sales that that really was it was on me to know that I could if I put in extra work or extra you know hours or whatever you want to call it or just you know the grind that I could make more money. I wasn't limited to you know a nine to five or as much effort as I yeah I could move up the ladder or whatever. But that's why sales was so impactful because you put in what you you know you get out what you put in, and I was able to be successful and. You know, eight, eight years, I'm still <laughs> similar or same role, just with a different company. It, it, it's paid off for us. But it's, you know, that 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 kind of takes us to the next journey. Is this something that I'm going to do for the rest of my life? Being sole individual sales? Probably not. But if we can pay down and have less overhead, then I could maybe do something different long term that maybe I enjoy more or it's not a stressful type of career sales. Yeah. Were you commission or salary or both? It was both. I started my first job was, you know, 50K plus commission um, out of college. So, you know, not terrible. Um, but the, it was pretty quick to, to realize that if you didn't more than double your your job or your your your, sa- your salary and commission, uh, you were in the wrong gig because they put us <laughs> they put us to work. But it was it was a very good company that I learned a lot of good things as far as work ethic and about myself and how, how much they, they pushed you. And I stayed at it, that job for five years, but it, that's kind of where we moved up here to, to Utah, where we're at now. I realized there's a certain point that the work-life balance wasn't there. And I, I, I towards the end, I, I was making amazing money, but I wasn't happy. I wasn't, you know, we paying off debt so much into the mortgage, but like we weren't enjoying that money. I wasn't enjoying my kids. I had a, an hour drive one way each way. So I'd get back super late and then just be drained. It wasn't healthy. And so we, we made the switch to a different company um, where the work-life balance is, has been much better. And, and no, I'm not making as much as I, as I did, but it's, it's a still a very good living. Um, and now that we've, you know, taken out all of our debt and we can, we don't have to make as much uh, to, to live very comfortably. And that's, that's rewarding for us. Yeah. So as, as much as you're comfortable sharing, what's been the range of income income you've made? You mentioned you started at 50,000. Yeah. Um, 50,000 was our, our first year, I think. And I made some commissions. I started January 2014, 50K there. I think I finished you know, 75 that year. So that was probably the lowest best year I made over three. Uh, but it's been usually around two. Um, it's kind of where we're, we've been at most years. Good for you, Mitch. It's awesome. Did you did you worry about money during these years, or no, just as you were building it up? I mean, I think to some degree, people get so infatuated with trying to reach a goal or get out of debt, or you start worrying about it, right? And and oftentimes, I think that could be a motivator: is do I have enough, or am I am I not going to be able to afford something? Can I raise these triplets or whatever? I mean, did you worry? Uh, absolutely. I mean, I think that was. Our chief sales officer, I, I respected him so much, and he was just 
he kind of said, paint that picture of what, what, what is the worst that could happen or have a vision of like the worst thing that could happen ever for you. And, and it, it was very much of a scared scarcity mentality of what's the worst thing and never let yourself go there again. Never let that happen. Work everything towards a going the opposite direction of, you know, well, if I lose my job then this will happen, my wife will leave me, my kids, will, you know, or whatever, like we're down the streets. Like it was just so so much and so vivid to get there. I wanted to go as far and as quick away from that because I'd seen that very personal uh, in my life growing up of not having the money and not being able to do things of other people were doing and, and not like I was deprived or not like living in poverty, but I, I, I know I wanted, I wanted something more. And so that, that really not only wanting to go do the opposite of, you know, seeing what others had, but just knowing that I could achieve that and I wanted to get there. And so, yeah, I was, I I've been scared. I've, I've seen other people make good money in, in, in sales right around me and then make questionable decisions with their money. And then they're forced to have that $300,000 a year each year just to stay afloat. And I knew I didn't want that. I knew I, it wasn't sustainable. And, you know, it, you have bad years and good years, and I've never had a, a terrible year. We've been very blessed for that, but it's not been something that I I knew it could happen. You know, the stars could align and I could have a terrible year and I didn't want to have to live yeah. at a certain, you know, dollar amount bringing, you know, take home pay and that just to break even and had to make 300K. I wanted to say, no, worst case scenario, we could live off 50K and then the rest is just gravy. And, and we had that mindset of... You know, if we can do this, then we can do so much more and enjoy money, you know, but let's let's get there and let's focus and let's do this. Well, so now that you're there and you're 1.1 at age 32 and you're making a couple hundred or close to maybe a little less, I don't know what you make now, but what's the motivation now? Is it that million dollars in retirement? Is it financial freedom? Is it flexibility? What's what's the how come you go to work every day now? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's only been a month, so again, it's still fresh. So, but we've, <laughs> we've sat down and dreamed, you know, of like, what, what can we do? And we, you know, we, we see family and, or, um, friends, parents and, and being able to, to do things and, you know, have a cabin and, you know, or vacation home and everybody gets together and family reunions. Like we, we want that. My wife wants, she wants land. She doesn't know, but I mean, she does know it. She, she's a huge DIY. A lot of our money goes to projects around the house, but she's always busy, always doing something. And and so she would love a, a fixer up or a land or a farm and loves animals. And so I see that in the future as much as I, I don't like to to tell her that, that that's probably happening, that I see ourselves on, a, you know, getting a couple acres and having a property, whether it's a cabin or a permanent move to another home. But I, I definitely want to cash flow that and not go into uh, to just a more debt to, to do that. So that's something and uh, a little fun thing that, you know, I, I, I want a truck. <laughs> so that's on the immediate thing of like, all right, let's go get a truck so we can enjoy Utah and some of the, the four by four and camping and, and nature and some of the things that we can't do in her minivan right now with the kids. <laughs> awesome. Well, let's wrap it up here, Mitch, with some rapid fire questions and then we'll get into the last uh, words of advice. So what's been the most expensive car you've ever purchased? Um, I, my car probably right now, um, eh, it, it's a Lexus uh, little sedan that uh, I enjoy putting around in. And I was about 
30k, but paid paid for it cash and was able to save up for the money to do that. And now I, I I enjoy it. Okay, what about the most expensive meal out that you've personally paid for? Probably our 10 year anniversary. My wife and I just we just hit and uh, went up to Fleming's and we, we, again we don't do that a whole lot, but we 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 did everything. So we. I think we ended up spending like 300 bucks at Fleming's and that was, that was big for us because we, we don't, we don't do that a whole lot. Yeah, but, yeah. uh, I've always wanted the, the big, uh, what's the, the, the tomahawk? I've, done, I've seen them and it's like, you know, 90 bucks steak, whatever. Let's get it. Let's just, let's have fun. And then that was right after we sell it. And that was another celebration of paying off the home too. So a 10 year and, uh, I paid off home. It was time to celebrate. Oh, neat. Well, was millionaire milestone? Did you celebrate for that? That that happened within 30 days of each other. So that. All right. So it was a celebration for everything. That yeah, day. it was kind of just kind of accumulated. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, one I, I sold off. We had 20K in stock from one of my last uh, companies or whatever. So I sold that off to put us over to pay for the home. And then I had a big commission check come in at the beginning of the year. So it kind of really helped with the net worth in that next uh, next tranche there. OK, what's worth the money and what's not been worth the money? Um, I mean, I t- I shared a little bit earlier. We live in a nice house. We have nice cars. We we enjoy nice things. But my wife's not a big, you know, girly girl with purses and and shoes and and clothes and stuff. So I'd say it's clothes. We we don't spend money on clothes or you know things like that. But we we do enjoy taking the kids to you know on on trips and memberships to local things and farms and aquariums and rock climbing and events. And we enjoy having them in, in those things. So as much as I, you know, don't like spending the money sometimes because some of those can kind of get expensive. Um, we realize it's money well spent to, to let them not only figure out what they like, but uh, to enjoy that. And especially while they're young, like that Disney world trip we just took, you know, we try to do something like that every year with the kids and uh, some, some type of big trip. So experiences to answer your questions, and and that's cliche. People say that all the time, but experience, not things. Awesome. Have you ever used a financial advisor? We 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 have, and we, or we did. Um, early on, we used one of you know Dave Ramsey's uh, smart investors, and he kind of helped set us up originally with some of the the funds and the five twenty nines. Um, but it, I want to say it's very active. It, they're just still kind of sitting there, and that's kind of my next journey of. Now that the house is finally paid off, uh, I can kind of manage some of the things myself a little bit more or and really get to the next step of investing. Otherwise, it's it's been kind of set and forget kind of blind investing right now with 401ks and 529s and IRAs. I'm sure I could have leveraged and got more out of it, but it's been, okay, we're going to put a set percentage for a while. And once the house is paid off, then we can really uh, kind of go ham on these things. <laughs> really uh, accelerate even more. And so I think I'll, I'll be doing a lot more moving forward um, with some of these investing. And, uh, and now that we're out of state, he's still in Arizona. So might be looking for somebody new. Yeah. All right. Last question here. So as you've hit millionaire and and at 1.1 and 32 years old, has that brought more happiness to you, more confidence? Um, and what is it, what does it mean to be happy and fulfilled? And has the money brought that for you? The, the, when I saw the net worth over a million, it, it didn't, I tend to move my goalposts and kind of the next goal and the next thing to try to, I, I thought the millionaire status would 
bring me more joy than it did. And I was kind of puzzled by that. And I really looked to, uh, I did some soul searching, but just kind of that day that I saw that as like, sweet, we finally, we made it. But realizing that that, that wasn't, that was a, a stepping stone. That was a, you know, one point in the direct or one step in the direction um, that wasn't the end goal. It didn't mean, I mean, it meant something, but it didn't, I wasn't as fulfilled from that number as I thought I was. We got that fulfillment that I was looking for out of the home. I felt like because then it was the burden was off of us of, you know, the shackles or the debt, you know, debt free or the freedom or not owing a dime to anybody or anything and freeing up cash flow so that we we can do whatever we want now. And I haven't enjoyed a commission check in eight years <laughs> to the way I you know, want to go do some fun things. And it's not like we have lived a deprived lifestyle, but we've been very focused on what we've wanted to do and less splurging than, than maybe we wanted to at times. And so I think maxing out everything and investing even more, getting caught up to where I'd like to be. I don't think that that's going to give me the happiness or that, but the freedom of knowing that we are along this, the journey and it, I don't say we have to coast now or and do things more, but it definitely is fulfilling knowing that we're on our journey, on our path, that we're, we're going to so going to make it or we're going to live a, a good life and have a good lifestyle and be able to do things that many other people won't be able to uh, along this journey. And, and we're thankful for that. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing. I mean, really cool story and, and great advice and, and input. So thank you. Thank you for coming on again, everybody. That's Mitch, 32 years old, 1.1 million. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Mitch. Thanks for listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast with Clark Sheffield and Chase Mantinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website at millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.